Good morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. Streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues on a local level through a lens of diversity. So this morning, we are talking about black women and feminism. Is it an oxymoron? I want to invite you to call in and tell me what you think. So I'm going to give you my call-in number. So I want you to call in to 203 872-7356. You can listen live stream on newhavenindependent.org. But we are talking about black women and feminism. So feminism lately seems to be much of a catchphrase, right? So I think that I started hearing the, um, I guess, the, the word much more in the black community Kind of around the time Beyonce came out with Formation. (laughs) And and it seems like a little, it seems like fun. It seems funny, I should say, that uh, the two came about together. But a lot of things around that uh, performance wasn't just uh, about race, but there was also a lot of point out about how she um, used all women and how how much of her um, her workforce behind her shows are women and things like that, as well as when she came out with Lemonade, that kind of like really blew it out of the water. So it begs to ask the question, and I ask this question because I've been reading it various places online, um, and I thought it was it's an interesting conversation. So I'm going to tell you as well, I always give extra thought to something that I come across multiple times in uh, a month or several months. It, it just keeps it keeps nagging at me to look into a little bit further. And recently I've had several conversations with uh, white women who are uh, friends of mine and colleagues of mine about what exactly is feminism for black women. And if it if the intersection of womanhood between white feminists and people who say that they are black feminists, if that in any way is contradictory to the agenda of black women, if we have one. So I thought it would be an interesting conversation for us to have today um, about black women and feminism and the feminist movement and what is some of the origins of it and where black women play a role in that. So I, I think that uh, let's start from the beginning. And, and I think the, the agenda of feminism kind of um, in the timeline of movements, it kind of intersects the suffrage movement itself, which was the beginning of feminism in America, the feminist movement in America actually um, took hold in a lot of momentum about the time that the 15th Amendment um, came about where it was going to give black men the right to vote. And so what's interesting about the movement itself is that its founders in some of the literature that they were producing at the time, they made statements like it is more of the right of the white female to be able to vote than it is of the black male. And that black, that white women did not 
think of themselves have enough self-respect before they saw black men seeking the right to vote. And that is what spurred them to start the suffrage movement for white women to vote. Um, And I am paraphrasing because I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but it's a very well-known quote. You can Google it. Right. (laughs) So I thought I thought I I think that that is really interesting. But like many things in America, one, it's undeniable that uh, feminism in the United States start started with a racial undertone. So that's that's just an undeniable fact that it was, in fact, there was um, there was uh, um, anti-slavery, uh, anti-slavery abolitionists who initially referred to the women's suffrage movement as the anti uh, anti-black movement. So I thought that, that that was really interesting. And I want to find a quote that I found here um, where one of the. So I had I had I had written it down. One of the well-known abolitionists, um, William Lloyd Garrison, he described Susan B. Anthony as an anti-nigger party. (laughs) And because her push, Susan B. Anthony's push for a woman's right to vote was directly linked to the fact that she that that white women deserve the right to vote before black men deserve the right to vote. And so uh, she was well known for for that in particular. Um, And so and here's a quote from her. It says that um, so Susan B. Anthony, she infamously said, I will cut off this right arm of mine before I ever work or demand the ballot for the Negro and not the woman. So she opposed the passage of the post-civil rights 15th Amendment, which on paper granted all black men the right to vote. So this is kind of like the history of of, of feminism um, in America. I think the interesting thing um, is, like many things in America, uh, feminism, the feminist movement for black women have been it has been redefined and had to be rethought out. Um, throughout throughout the years and we'll we'll talk about um, Alice Walker's uh, definition of I guess what would be quote-unquote black feminism but she called it womanism Uh, so I want to know what you think so if you have any feedback for me oh and you can follow the show on my Facebook page so we are Facebook live hi Facebook people we are Facebook Live today, and I'm taking comments, and I'm taking calls. So if you want to call in and tell me what you think about the history of the black feminist movement or the feminism movement in partic- any, any part of the feminism movement, you can give me a call at 203-872-7356, and you can listen live stream either on my Facebook feed or you can go to newhavenindependent.org. One of the things that's that's very interesting about the feminism movement when I was doing the research for this particular show is kind of looking at. So now here's the history of the feminism movement, which was actually just a movement to keep white women above black men. Right. So this is the movement of of, of where it started. So where does um, does black women come into this because the initial goals of the feminism movement in America did not include 
any of the goals of of a black woman. One of the so one of the things so after the right to vote, the other the second great push of the feminism movement was the right to work. Women no longer wanted I should say white women (laughs) no longer wanted to be um, in the house and relegated to domestic roles. But the interesting thing about that and I what piqued my interest about this is a previous show that I had with um, Dr. Suad Abdul-Kabir, where she talked about the the what was considered radical for our First Lady Michelle Obama when she first became when President uh, Barack Obama became president and she announced that she was going to be the mom in chief. Right. So before he became president or he ran for office, she was a very successful lawyer. Um, And then she decided that as her role in the her role changed after his presidency, that her priority was going to be her girls and her family. And many feminists kind of like went up in a roar like this isn't good for our girls to teach them aspirations. She just she doesn't want to you know, she's not going to work anymore. And there was some backlash to that. But the interesting thing that Dr. Suad Abdul-Kabir pointed out was that the right to work outside the home was solely a white woman's feminist movement because black women have been working since we landed on these shores, whether it was unpaid labor through slavery or even after slavery. When white women were home, it was black women who were even taking care of their children. Black women have always worked. And so it is actually a reverse radical. To us, it would be something that's radical change in the tradition of what we have been relegated to for black women to have the privilege to stay home. Because we have spent hundreds and hundreds of years taking care of other people's children without having the luxury of taking care of our own children. Um, And so for Michelle Obama to decide that she was going to focus and be the mom in chief, quote unquote, that that was actually one of the things that. separates the difference between um, black women and white women and what they see as freedom. Um, So that, that really gave me a lot of things to think about when in terms of feminism and women's rights. And I say this because I am often in circles, uh, feminist circles of women who describe themselves as radical feminists. And I, on some occasions, have actually described myself as a feminist. Um, And that was a kind of sort of out of trendiness, maybe. Would I describe myself as a feminist? I don't know. Depends on what day you catch me. So we have a caller. Good morning and thank you for calling into your speaking to Mubaraka. This is Mornings with Mubaraka. What's your name, caller? Hi, my name is Erin. You left me an email there on my uh, phone. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you for calling in, Erin. We're talking about uh, black women and the feminist movement what do you think about this? What do I think about this? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a feminist myself there, so, you know, I can relate to this there. 
it's a difficult process there, even being a female in general. You know, um, feminism is very important because, you know, a lot of women there, when they're young, they, they end up getting walked on. They get walked on by by men there because they're, they're you know they're innocent. They don't know they don't know the the reality of real world. You know the real world. You know of uh, being a feminine, being a feminist, being a being a woman. So you know, so Erin, so Aaron, let me ask you this: Why do you describe yourself as a feminist? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Well, basically, as a feminist there, because I'm a, I'm a working woman, all right? So a feminist there, to me, is a woman there that's very bold, very strong, that can, that can stand on her own two feet, and that can really, you know, that can be independent, but yet, you know, be with someone there that she loves also as well, that's in charge of her life. Okay, I, I like that definition. And I thank you for calling in, Aaron. And that gives us a little bit food for thought. Continue to listen and thank you for calling. So Aaron describes feminism to her as a woman who's bold and independent and strong. Um, and that is, I guess, some people's representation of what feminism is to them. The history of feminism, um, the interesting thing is the history of feminism, it does it really it puts women against the system of patriarchy which is a really interesting which is really interesting for black women in particular because black men history of 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 being oppressed is not the same thing as white men in particular so the idea of so let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about uh other where a, a second place where uh, women intersect. So with the the and I'm using this in quotation black feminism, right? So uh, I don't even know if there's really a such thing, right? So I'm using it in quotation. So when you talk about black feminism, there's two words: black and feminism, right? So let's talk about the intersect of black women in the black liberation movement. So here is where there is a pull between uh, for black women between their the the blackness and the the womanhood right and so in the black liberation movement it was it, the the position that women took is they were certainly a, a backbone of this movement they were the people who did the work in the background who were the movers and shakers but the construct of the of of the black liberation movement, meaning civil rights, um, African liberation. So let's 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 uh, um, bunch all of those up. So we're talking about the 60s. We're talking about the 70s. That the black liberation was was framed in a way of looking at um, looking at freedom as reclaiming your manhood. Right. So so. Being free was black men being men. It really didn't include the framework of black women. And so the black liberation movement was much of a, of a, a, how do we describe it? It was, 
it was much of a promotion. So not that black women were not included in this because we know as black women that um, it has always kind of falling on our shoulders or in our laps to support black men in, in everything from slavery to freedom. Um, but freedom was equated with black manhood. It was, it was a masculine, it was a thing about black masculinity. Um, and it took for the, it, it took the assumption that racism was more harmful than black to black men than it was to black women. And that the, and I'm, I, I'm trying to find words. So it, it, it took that as an assumption, right? And I actually personally, I actually would not disagree with that even today in 2016. Um, certainly black men are in our society more black men are more prone to police violence. Um, black men are more prone to being um, not receiving an education. Black men have a higher rate of unemployment. So I personally, based on statistics would not disagree with that fact that, 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 uh, that it really that the that racism is really more impactful. Not that it doesn't impact black women, of course it does, but it is more directly impactful to black men. So freedom during this time, it was really a, a black a black man movement, and black so black women found themselves kind of in a tug of war between the two. They found themselves pulled one way with the need, and I say need very intentionally, to support the black liberation movement. But then they were pulled in the other way with the feminist movement This was trying to coerce them to um, be very pro-feminist, which in many circles, it was anti-male. So, I, I mean, I said it. Feminism in many circles and um, in many parts of its movement, it was anti-male. Whereas black women do not have the luxury to be anti-male because for black women in particular, our fight for, for equality and freedom, it is intricately, intricately connected to our black men. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, your Wednesday morning voice where we look at national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. And today we are talking about black women in and feminism. And if that is an oxymoron, if you have something to say on the topic, you can give me a call at 203-872-7356. Again, that call in number is 203 203- Eight seven two seven three five six. You can also listen live stream on newhavenindependent.org. Just go up to the left corner and click that little button that you're going to see WNHH uh, on the upper left hand corner. Or 
Today I'm streaming live on Facebook. Hey, Facebook. <laughs> so you can go there and you can give me a comment as well. Find me at Mubaraka Ibrahim. Um, and it's it's spelled exactly the way it's pronounced. So you can you can Google me. <laughs> um, so today, so the interesting thing about uh, black women in phys- feminism is that a black our black women's struggle is not separate from black men white women don't have to fight for the dignity of white men but black women have to fight for the dignity of black men white women don't have to fight for the lives of white men black women on the other hand we are partnered in the struggle for their lives and their equality and their dig- dignity because it's directly related to our dignity and our lives and our equality. So it makes a black woman's struggle a bit different. So not just for the fact that we as black women have to, um, we have to share, I would say, share this burden, right? So the position and, and we are much more intricately connected. We can't separate ourselves from the struggle of black men where that can be, that is a very definitive separation for white women, right? Because they don't have to worry about black men being oppressed. And when we talk about men, of course, we're talking about our husbands, our fathers, our brothers, our sons, our uncles, right? These people are intricately connected to us. They are a part of us. They are within our family. They are within us. So it's not something that we can separate. Black black women, we have we have actually progressed further than black men in many respects. So for example, um, according to the national center for education statistics, black women now are the most educated group in the United States. And so I want to read some of this to you. So between 2009 and 2010, black women earned 68% of all associate degrees awarded to black students as well as 66% of bachelor's degrees, 71% of master's degrees, and 65% of all doctorates awarded to black students. The report says that the percentage of U.S. college students who are black increased from 10 to 15% from 1976 to 2012, while the percentage of white students among the U.S. college students fell from 84% to 60 percent. So this is really interesting. You know, recently I was at a um, I was at a um, a summit at the at Health and Human Services in Washington, D.C. And one of and several of the speakers, actually, they referred to the college campus as the browning of America, that the college campus is a is the um the, the future of what American society would look like. And it's becoming more brown and more brown. And these statistics actually point to that exact fact. So so here's some, some other interesting. Um, so by both race and gender, 
a higher percentage of black women, 9.7%, are enrolled in college than any other group. Topping Asian women at 8.7%, white women at 7.1%, and white men at 6.1%. So how is this education of black women being related to leaderships and jobs in society. So this brings us to a, a another really interesting. So here we have a very definitive split, right? So we know that black women are more educated. We know that there are more educated black women than any other uh, um, race or ethnicity. So, but it's not translating itself um, into jobs. Now, Keeping in mind, because we are talking about black women, feminism, black men um, and white women in feminism, that black women um, do have a higher employment rate than black men. But even despite that, a recent study found that black women make up just 8% of private sector jobs and less than 2% of leadership roles. So that actually answers the question um, um, from Abdi Mahad on, on uh, Facebook about where is this translating into qualifications? Um, and, and yes, it's education. Education, normally people go to college to be qualified. And, but it's not translating into the actual jobs and the leadership roles. As of 2013, black women earned just 64 cents to white man's to a white man's dollar, while white women earned 78 cents. Black men, 75 percent. Hispanic men, 67 percent and Hispanic women, 54 percent. So this is where there is this. I guess um, this interesting dilemma that I personally find myself in because in many women's pro women's feminist circles, there is a great push to have um, that to for pay equity, which of course everybody should have pay equity, right? I don't think anybody would. Well, I don't know now <laughs> with our new political environment, but um, most people <laughs> would not argue that everyone should get paid the same for the same job, despite um, in spite of and despite of their genders. Right. But here is the interesting thing. When we fight for pay equity, we are fighting for pay equity for white women that is kind of like the mark stone how so when they talk about um how the 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 pay gap that is shrinking so it, the good news is that it is shrinking when they talk about the pay gap shrinking in america they between men and women nine times out of ten when you look at the statistics they're talking about the pay gap between white women and white men. So how does black women fit into that? How do Hispanic women and Hispanic men fit into that? Because they are paid even less than black men and women. Right. So a Hispanic man makes 67 cents to the, every dollar that a white man. So so I, I, I like to really 
put this in practical terms because I think that often people talk about um, talk about this thing. So what let's talk about statistics and, and people and you hear it and you don't understand how it relates to your everyday. So what this means is that if a white man, a black man, a black woman, a white woman, a Hispanic man, a Hispanic woman, if they all have the same qualifications, they all have the same level of education and they all are doing the exact same job. It is more likely that the white man is being paid more, not because he's more qualified, not because he's doing a different job, not because he has extra responsibilities. They will be paid more. So this talks to equity in the workplace. So how does that translate? Obviously, that translates to the lifestyle that you're able to live. It translates. We know that what you make is directly related to your health status. So it, it, it translates to what you have access to as far as services, as far as the circles that you that you are in. Um, you're, we are in America. Money actually dictates so much more than just what's in your bank account. And so when we talk about pay equity, we're talking about social justice. We're talking about economic justice. We're talking about racial justice. But when we talk about pay equity in the terms of feminism, we are not talking about racial justice. We are talking about the difference between black men, um, white, white men and white women. So how do we and I don't have the answer to this. So if you have an idea, I would love to hear it. How do we. Also, how do we as black, black women and white women and Hispanic women, is there a way for us to fight for economic justice that includes the equity of black women and Hispanic women? Are we focusing or or have we do we have any type of movement towards that? So if you if you have an idea, give me a call at 203-872-7356. Um, and you can listen live stream or you can find me on Facebook as we're streaming live for today's show and you can comment there. I think that it's Really, it's a really interesting, I call it a dilemma because um, I think about it often as I'm a part of groups that are very pro-women and pro-women's rights. And I'm often in a room surrounded with white women. And I say to myself, like, where are the black women? And is there like a, a... is, is there even a black feminist movement that is detached from a, uh, a social justice movement that includes all black people? So that would that that actually is an interesting question in itself. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. And today we are getting your feedback on black women and feminism. Is it an oxymoron? 
Um, so Abdi says on Facebook, can we say existing institutional in, institutional racism, patriarchy in a black community and early marriage among black women, hamstrung black women to be successful in education and employment? Can we say that? I personally wouldn't say it, but <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> um, I don't think that that is the thing. I'm, I guess from a black woman's perspective, I just feel like black women, we have always had to shoulder multiple responsibilities. And it has given us the resilience and the determination to continue to uh, pursue our individual goals um, because we also understand as black women and we shoulder that responsibility for the black community that it l- does fall on us. And I think we take that very seriously. So I would say as a black woman, I don't think that um, that the institutional racism or the patriarchy in the black community um, has anything to do with it. I, I, and I wouldn't exactly describe our din- dynamics in the black community as patriarchy. You know, there are black women may get married younger, and I'm not sure about that statistic, but even if they do, we have a lower marriage rate. Um, so there are some neighborhoods I know in the city of New Haven when, um, there are some neighborhoods in the city of New Haven, particularly our low income neighborhoods. And our statistics show that 70 percent of the households in some low income neighborhoods, in particular in the city of New Haven, are single parent female led households. That does not just lend to black patriarchy itself. The 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 unemployment role uh, of black men. I think is counter that Um, be and it has put black women in a position where we actually cannot depend um, or, or, or rest our laurels on black men having a job that's going to, you know, be necessarily the, the source of, uh, of our, of our maintenance Um, because it's so hard for black men to get a job because even when they get a job, they're not making the same amount of money as other men um, because of, I think institutionalized racism is certainly more impactful to black men um, directly and to black women indirectly. And that act that, that brings me to my next kind of like thought in this process of feminism in the black community is when you think of the hierarchy of survival, you know, first, our first survival is of course for our life, right? We, we want um, our, um, our life, food, clothing, shelter, right? And then uh, we seek relationships. If we are literally fighting for our lives, where does it leave the priority of pay equity? So, so that's really kind of like where the black community is. And it's an interesting conversation. So recently I had a conversation with, we had a very open hearted 
frank conversation, which I think is so important, particularly now in our our, our, our nation's climate. Um, and my white friend, she asked me, where, how do white women help black women? And that was a, a question that I actually, I gave her an answer, which I would share with you, but I'm not satisfied with my own answer. So one of the things that I said to her when she asked me that question was I said, the best way for white women to help black people and white people in general is to be our voice when we are not present, right? We cannot normalize racism. We cannot normalize sexism. We cannot normalize patriarchy. And it's not we, of course, we meaning America, but we more more importantly within the white community because white people are still the, they still have control over much of the institutionalization of racism, of justice, of everything in the United States. So you can't normalize it in those circles. And as white allies, you will get into rooms that black people just we will just never be in. We won't be invited. We won't even know the room exists. Right. And when you're in those rooms, we can't normalize what we what is is discrimination. And so that was my response to her. But as I and I, I've been thinking about this, we had lunch like a week ago, and I've been thinking about this for the last week. How can white people help black people without trying to speak for us, without trying to lead the 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 freedom trail, I should say? <laughs> um, how can white women assist black women? Right. Because black women within the feminist movement. It actually so how did so so this comes back to our topic. How did black women fit into that feminist movement when in the 1970s, when unions began to become a really big push and movement, black women were working and it increased their numbers when they when they when white feminist movement began to fight for workers' rights and for still pay equity um, and other things within the workforce, it then became convenient to bring black women into the fold of the fight because it increased the numbers. And that is the honest truth. We, it was a numbers game. It was not designed for black women. It was designed for black women to support white women in this movement. Um, so now that we know this and we're past this and we're trying to redefine and I believe it can be redefined. I mean, we have read we have to um, redefine and evolve in America, America. So one thing that the alt right says that I actually agree with is that America was not founded for black people. We are here now and it is our country. We built it. 
But the idea behind it, even if we just look at the history of, you know, the big thing now after the election is the Electoral College. The Electoral College was put into place to prevent black people from taking over the political system. The forefathers who founded the Constitution, they knew that the growth of minorities in the United States, it could change the way the political system was designed, which is to keep the 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 racial stance of the country to keep the justice stance of the country which was not the in favor of black people so they created the electoral college for this reason and this is truth right so but we we're redefining that now right when we talk about when we talk about uh Lots of things within the United States. Our forefathers didn't founded this country on equality for all people. All people did not include black people because when it was founded and when that was written, black people weren't even considered people. So it was not included in the founding. But we have redefined it based on who we are and who we would like to be as Americans in America. And Completely valid. As we go forward, we will find that many things that we have to redefine Um, and that redefinition. So one of the one of the interesting things that I found along my little research for this show was the redefinition of uh, um, um, I don't know if that's even a word, but I'm going to use it. Yeah, I get it right. Re (laughs) do again. Definition. (laughs) So. Alice Walker is actually considered the uh, a a founder of what is, quote unquote, black feminist movement. And she did not like the idea of having to put black in front of feminism. So she changed the word to a womanist. So what is a womanist, according to Alice Walker? So Alice Walker's definition of a womanist is a womanist is a woman who loves women's and appreciate women's culture and power as something that is incorporated into the world as a whole. Womanism addresses the racial and classist aspect of white feminism and actively opposes separatist ideology. It includes the word man, recognizes that the black men are an integral part of black women's lives as their children's lovers and family members. Womanism accounts for the ways in which black women support and empower black men and serves as a tool for understanding the black woman's relationship to men as different from the white woman's. So the relationship, I actually really like this definition. And I have to say, like when I had to do my research for this show, it was the first time that I've read the definition in whole. I've um, I've come across bits and pieces of it. And I really think that it does speak to the position of black women um, and how where our relationship with our men is very different than relationship um, that white women have with their men. We are a part of we are a part of their struggle, whereas white men really don't have a struggle for white women to be a part of. 
<laughs> so it, it actually changes the dynamic greatly. Uh, <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. And today we are talking about uh, black woman and feminism and if it is an oxymoron. If you have something to say on the topic, you can give me a call at 203-872-7356. You can also listen live stream on newhavenindependent.org or on my Facebook page where we're streaming live today because we're getting a little bit of feedback from viewers. So you can go there and you can comment as well. So as we are at about the last five minutes of the show, I want to um, I want to leave with some food for thought. So first, I don't have the answers to these things. This is a kind of out loud brainstorm for me. So I would love to hear your feedback. You can go and comment underneath the live video on my Facebook page or you can hashtag MWM radio on Twitter or Facebook and I will find you and um, and let's talk about this a little bit more. How is it? So I gave my kind of like, I would say half answer to my white feminist, raging feminist friend, right? But I'm not satisfied with that answer. How can, so the dilemma that we have is that we have to understand how to um, progress the cause of black people, the cause of black women, their agenda for equality, both economic, racial um, justice. How do we do that with our white allies? There are, we do have white allies, right? So <laughs> I'm often, at, I think I, I said this at, on a, pr- on a previous show that um, despite the, the turnout of the election, we have to remember that more than half of the United States did not vote for our current president elect, right? By 2 million so there are, as a country, we are majorly anti-racism. We are majorly anti-sexism and xenophobic and anti-Islamophobic, majorly. So it's really important that we remember that. We remember that as we go forward. And how do we go forward together? Because we have to go forward together. There are things that we have to do as allies, and then there are things that we have to do as individual communities. So my, my question to all of us to think about is, what is it that, what is that thing that white people can do to help progress the cause of justice for black people without speaking for us, without doing for us. So the first thing that I would say is we have to get to a place of open conversation. So I, this is my personal uh, um, advocacy um, post-election is to have open and frank conversations with people. And so I so much enjoyed having an open heart to heart with my white raging feminist 
friend who we could have a conversation and use the words white people and black people because we see color. We don't want to discriminate because of color, but we have a different experience, a very different reality. And we cannot bring justice and equality until we recognize that there is injustice and inequality that is based on the way that we look and our history as a people to separate people parallel in the United States, but very different experiences. So that is my food for thought for today. I want to thank you for joining me and thank you for listening. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. You can listen live stream on newhavenindependent.org. You can also, if you're in the New Haven County area, find me on 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I want you to join me next week where I'm so excited that we will have um, author and halal foodie um, and author of um, the halal, her halal food cookbook, Yvonne McAfee. And uh, we're going to talk about halal, being halal foodie and all of the delicious, delicious uh, recipes in her book. I'm going to cook some. That's my research before next show is I'm going to cook me some recipes uh, because, you know, I'm a foodie, right? (laughs) I want to thank you for joining me. You've been listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim reminding you to be a voice and not an echo.